1: offering perspectives of hope through Jesus Christ. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview. When I hosted this show in Hawaii, I'm joined with my co-host, Lani Ka'a. Join us now. Open your heart to what God has to say to you. How vital is it for organizations to stay on mission? What are the consequences if an institution drifts from that mission? In what ways might understanding the importance of staying on mission influence our personal lives? Becca Spradlin has devoted her life to helping us answer these questions. We pause here at the beginning of our show as we typically do to remind you the reason we have the Good Life radio program is to lead you, dear friend, closer and closer to our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be involved in an organization. You may be a leader, a board member even, of an organization. You may have some of these questions that are just swirling around in your mind and We're here to remind you that there is always an integration with the good news of Jesus Christ, of Jesus who loves you so much, dear friend, that he died on the cross for your sins. He shed his precious blood on that cross to wash your sins away. He was buried, yes, and three days later he rose again from the grave. And the same Jesus, the living Christ, who has touched the heart of Becca Spradlin, reaches out to you. Will you turn to the Lord? Will you open your heart to Jesus? Exchange your life and your plans for for His life and His plans for you. That's our prayer, our hope. Becca Spradlin is the founder of On Mission. She specializes in executive facilitation, organizational assessment, and strategic planning. On-Mission services were incubated during her time at Hope International following the publication of Mission Drift. In 2020, she co-authored the Mission True Workbook. It's an interactive guide providing leaders with practical next steps to keep their organizations on mission. Becca lives in Lancaster, Pennsylvania with her husband and three children. Becca, welcome. Welcome. To our show.
2: Well, aloha. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Tell us, Becca, where did you grow up?
2: I grew up on the east coast of the United States in, in Maryland.
1: Well, we need more. Where in Maryland
2: and what was it like? Yeah, so I was blessed to grow, grow up in a Christian home and um, right outside of Baltimore. And that was just really formative to uh, my perspective. I know not everyone that grows up in a Christian home stays with it, but I was blessed to have been taught at an early age about the saving faith that you guys are talking about and um, have been blessed to be able to walk with the Lord ever since.
1: Who would you say, Becca, influenced you most in your growing up
2: years? That's an interesting question. I think, obviously, my parents um, were probably the biggest influence, but I'd also just say uh, uh, youth leaders in my church were also really carrying influences on my life. So really blessed to have those positive role models and encouragers and coaches as well.
1: You know, when we talk about influences, especially in our early years, sometimes people do mention youth leaders, but specifically, what was it about the youth leaders that you recall that particularly struck or touched? I should say better, touched your heart.
2: Absolutely, I think a couple things was we were just invited to engage. So I remember probably my early teen years, like helping out with Vacation Bible School and volunteering in the nursery and helping out in church, but also just seeing those leaders be people who um, really cared for us, like. When I went off to college, they sent me care packages. They, um, when we had an older friend who was in college, we did a road trip with our youth group leader, and she took us there just to, to visit our friends um, and see how she was doing in her first, um, first months at college. So just way above and beyond what you would normally expect, but just to show caring and to spend extra time with us.
1: You talk about your journey of faith growing up in a Christian home. Now, tell us more. What was your journey of faith like? How did you become a believer in Christ?
2: Yeah, so I think uh, at an early age, I was introduced to the concepts. And when I was growing up in church, we had these things called flannel grams. So it's where it was like a flannel board and you would stick the Bible characters to the board to illustrate the story. And I just I think I probably had like a flannel board planogram kind of understanding of Jesus, like we should have Jesus in our hearts. So I remember at the age of six kind of saying, Jesus, I want you in my heart. Um, and it's interesting now as a parent, how <laughs> to figure out how to communicate that. We thank God that two of our three daughters came to faith around the age of three, and we we continue to cultivate that. And not unlike my own story, it's kind of, you You might understand it on some level as a child, and then it, over time and over decades, you really learn what it means to put that into practice, to move it from just head knowledge um, and then just awareness of biblical concepts and theology to actually, like, practicing and living it out and uh engaging in regular confession when we, when we drift away and when we misstep, and, and just knowing that, that grace of God that just is so powerful. And when I see and, and think and reflect on how powerful our God is, it's easy. It's much easier for me as a perfectionist to come to Him and engage in confession and say, God, would you forgive me? I'm so embarrassed by this sin in my life, but I can come to him because I remember how powerful he is. And in light of his power, my sin is nothing. And so I think that's a revelation that's probably been more taken like rooting, taken grounding in, in my adult life than I truly understand God's gift of grace as a child.
1: Well, Becca, that, you talk about the, these, the process of the beginnings of uh, faith and and life with Christ. I'm going to fast forward here uh, quite a lot, actually. So, uh, you know, feel free. We'll come back to it. Fill in as you see fit. But when did you sense God leading you to start your
2: company on mission? Yeah, that is, that's a really good question. And, you know, I think, god speaks to people in a lot of different ways and i think sometimes you, you look to circumstances to scripture and my professional journey in particular just thinking of the work aspects of my life have been so directed by the lord through circumstances of um, i i you mentioned in uh, my background i worked for an organization called hope international but even how i got to hope international i was working in the Washington, D.C. area, doing organizational assessments and ratings. And then I reached out to a, a contact I had at Hope and um, just mentioned our services and all of this. And she followed up with a very kind email saying, I think you should come and work for Hope International, <laughs> which was not the purpose of my call to her. <laughs> and so that for me is a mile marker because I came from a rating agency Six months after I joined Hope International, this book, Mission Drift, was published. And when I read it, I had such a a reaction to it. And I think it's because um, one of my strength finders, I guess two of my strength finders are belief, so very strong belief, um, particularly in my faith, but then also a strong sense of responsibility. That's my other strength finder. And uh, hearing the cases in the book, Mission Drift, which I recommend anyone listening it was just so um, so hard, honestly, to read how these well-intentioned, really devout Christians started these beautiful organizations and foundations. And within not even a, a long period of time, I mean, some of the cases happened over hundreds of years, but within maybe two decades or a couple changes in leadership, they're totally off course. And, ne- and then even moving counter to the original founder's intent and, and doing things that are even counter to the Bible. So I, I had this reaction. And then at the same time, there was this invitation by leadership at Hope. You know, I came from a background in an assessment. Could you create a mission-focused assessment to go along with a book, but to help organizations not to see, um, see if they're drifting, but really where are they drifting? That was something the CEO of Hope, Peter Greer, said to me, it's not if we're drifting, but where are we drifting? And that really stuck out to me and continues to. So we developed these fairly comprehensive assessments with a nonprofit kind of use case. And um, shortly thereafter, so that was 2014 and 2015, I started. we started getting requests through Hope to do this for other organizations. And that just led this kind of snowball of, different organizations reading the book or, or caring about it and coming, approaching hope. And it got to the point where it was actually just, it was too much to be doing under the mission of hope international, which is Christ centered microfinancing internationally. So, um, so it just, uh, with the full support of hope leadership and the hope board and their encouragement, which was another kind of mile marker sign for me that this is of the Lord. Um, Just this open invitation to take what I was doing within Hope and start to do it more, um, more regularly for other organizations. And it's been such a journey of learning and getting to know how different organizations live out these beautiful callings and missions that the Lord has given to them. And really, my goal is to just advise and encourage them to take that passion, that calling that the Lord has given to him and really figure out, how can we define it well? And then once we have it well-defined and work on communicating and giving clarity to that internally, how can we protect it? And then how can we champion it? How can we really advance it? So not just protecting and preserving it so it doesn't change, but going deeper, going further into the, what the Lord is calling calling us to do and really um, leveraging and maximizing the eternal impact. That an organization,
1: a nonprofit, can have, and even a business can have too. Well, we definitely want to come in and talk more about that when you uh, you, you discuss uh, about the defining, protecting, championing uh, your mission. You're listening to Becca Spradlin. She is she is the founder of On Mission. Sounds like they have a great partnership now. That that really one that has emerged out of Hope International. The book is Mission Drift. Mission Drift. Uh, she's uh, 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 Peter Greer is the, the author of that book and she's co-authored with Peter and other authors a book called Mission True Workbook. Again, Becca Spradlin on Mission. You can find out more about her at OnMissionAdvisors.com Again, OnMissionAdvisors.com When we come back we'll talk more with her. Go a bit deeper in on this what is the difference between mission vision and values what is mission drift how did the Lord inspire her build her up through the partnerships with Peter people like Peter Greer Chris Horst and Claire Stewart that and more from Becca Spradlin, sharing heart to heart with you. Stay with us, we'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life,
3: aimlessly beneath the barren sky.
1: James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors, Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. Mae Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you.
0: You are listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today.
1: Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co-host, Lani Ka'a'a. Please enjoy. Becca Spradlin brings 15 years of experience facilitating workshops and evaluations for businesses and nonprofits on five continents, including five years at a rating agency. She holds a master's degree in applied economics from Johns Hopkins University and uh, undergraduate degrees in business and communications from Grove City College. You're listening to The Good Life Radio Show. Danny Amashiro here with my co-host, Lani Ka'a. Find out more about this program at thegoodlifehawaii.com. Get it as a free podcast. To find out more about Becca Spradlin and her organization, On Mission, onmissionadvisors.com. Again, on mission Advisors dot com. Rebecca, what is Mission Drift?
2: Yes, that's a great question. So so Mission Drift is a a common concept. Uh, I remember being exposed to it in my earlier work in international development, where there was a question, are we drifting away from kind of our social founding or social orientation? But if, if you take a look at the book, Mission Drift, uh, that we've already mentioned, it's really about uh, narrowing in on that. So mission drift is a broad topic. but what I like to focus on is specifically for faith-driven leaders, uh, Christian nonprofits, um, that really have this this heart to share the love of Christ. How do we um, really protect that for generations of leadership that come? So, So with that narrower scope, we define mission drift as when you start to kind of water down or get distracted, usually unintentionally, getting distracted from that core calling to advance the kingdom of God in your work. And it can look a lot of different ways for a lot of different organizations, but at the core of it, it's uh, taking away from that eternal impact your organization can have and, and doing things that are distracting you or moving you or pulling you away from that focus on making an impact on individuals' lives in light of eternity.
4: Mm. Becca, um, what are some examples, you know, that we might be able to re- relate to organizations that you've seen or read about mission drift in their organization?
2: Sure. Yeah. So, so really a famous example that I, I think really kind of bothered me when I first found out about it is uh, the Pew Foundation. So, a lot of people might be familiar with the Pew Charitable Trust, the Pew Foundation, and um, this foundation was started, I think, in the very early 1970s um, by J. Howard Power J. Pew, and he had a lot of wealth from his family. Uh, he and his siblings had a lot of wealth from from uh, an oil company that the family owned. And they decided, um, as really devout followers of Christ, they wanted to create this foundation to really invest um, in in things like seminaries. So they helped start the Gordon-Cromwell Seminary, and um, and and helped get that started in the early 1970s. And so over time, they um, pew passed away. New leaders came in, and um, they kind of hired very professional. Foundation managers and I think I'm guessing that they've compromised maybe on some of the criteria that um, Mr. Pew would have really would have really valued. And over time they became a couple things changed about the tone. they they went for visibility so they wanted to be very visible in their giving which was very different from the original generation of pews and how they did giving was more discreet and and over time they stopped funding. Some of the initiatives that, including the Gordon Cromwell Seminary, they stopped funding it, the seminary that the founder helped to, to give financial support to found it, and started supporting institutions that Howard J. Pugh in his lifetime said that he would never fund. So you, that one is a very dramatic 180 uh, case study on, on an organization really kind of going the other direction and starting to support organizations that the founder would have been opposed to. Um, so really, really drastic there. And um, yeah, and I think that one for me is, it, it highlights a couple things. And one is that it, that happened, that level of drift happened in about two decades. In the early nineties, there was reporting about that case that you can Google and find, um, but it happened rather quickly. And so I think that is a good reminder for all of us how quickly drift can happen.
4: Mm. now you are your organization on mission. Um, I was able to listen in on what you um, offer and what you do for organizations willing and interested uh, into in understanding what has happened internally to their mission um mm-hmm. what kind what what do you do? how how does that relationship, let's say that how does that relationship begin between, on mission and an organization interested in yeah. um, what you offer?
2: Yeah, that's that's an excellent question because I think the journey to that conversation, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of things that ha- have to happen before that. And one of the key ingredients to organizations staying on mission is to uh, be humble about the fact that we can all drift if, if ever we start to think it could never happen to us, or this is a really important topic for those people, um, that, that's when we are opening the door, I think, to Drift. When we think it couldn't happen to us, pride, I think, really cultivates organizations going off mission. And, you know, Lord willing... The best clients are ones I'm working with where my honest assessment of them is, yeah, under that person's leadership, if they continue to follow the Lord and seek after him daily and throughout the day and through the organization, that organization's not going to go off mission. And um, But it's the humility knowing that all of us, any one of us, can drift in our personal lives, in in our work lives, and so we need that accountability and support from each other and a variety of ways to to remember our, our central calling to Christ and to, to remember to look back on that when our eyes start to look elsewhere and follow the shiny things that might take us away.
4: Can you, I mean, with certainly without disclosing too much information, can you talk a little bit about some of the more common uh, things that you find as you're allowed to look into, you know, the particulars of an organization who is, struggling maybe with mission
2: drift? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mentioned earlier that this kind of framework that really came uh, came as a result of just doing more and more of this work is how well are we defining the mission? And so I'll go into organizations that have very varying levels But in general, there's probably some level of of defining that they've already done, and I'm probably helping them think through. I always encourage organizations to think through, define your vision and your mission and your values, of course, but also for future generations of leader, which I like to to talk about and focus on, defining what is mission drift? (laughs) What would it actually look like? What would be yellow flags or red flags that we are drifting and then also take the next step to define what it is not. So what are the innovations, the changes, the adaptation we can make? And, and the leadership wouldn't wouldn't think that is actually drift. So part of the defining bucket, I, I encourage those two steps, which are typically, I've, I've never seen an organization have anything documented on how they define drift or how um, they don't, you know, what doesn't qualify as drift. But I think that's a super, a very easy step for an organization or a board to start with. And the conversation itself will raise up those strategic issues that need to be addressed now or in, in years to come. Mm. Um, how,
4: how has this, I mean, we're talking a lot about the work that you do, but as you personally and the Lord has led you more and more in this direction, what have been some of the more, um, let's do both the, the more fulfilling moments of this work for you and what have been some of the
2: greatest challenges? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the fulfilling moments, um, I think really sometimes it's not even in like the formal engagements, but maybe in a follow-up phone call. Like recently, I just had the chance to connect with a, a client, um, planning for our next engagement. I've been working with them a number of years. And just to encourage them to say, you know, the culture you have, you've worked so hard for every day. It You may take it for granted because you don't have that. You 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 live it every day. But when you see organizations with such a strong Christ-centered culture, and when you talk to a number of people and their staff, and you're like, wow, even cross-culturally, they are in the Word of God, all of them, they are passionate about advancing the Kingdom of God from whatever role they're given, and and really stewarding and protecting that mission. They take it very personally. Um, that's beautiful. It is just so encouraging to see that, and then encouraging to have from the third party kind of vantage point to say, "You're you're this is good work. You know, you've been working hard." Let's. Like, be sure to celebrate that and, and to just encourage people who <laughs> may not see it every day. And, you know, we all we all get discouraged sometimes. So that's definitely those are the the highlights for me in getting to talk with so many staff within a, a given organization. And and the hard parts are, I, I guess I could say this the opposite when we're coming in, not just, you know, some clients hire because they have a strong sense of this and they don't want to. To, to drift in the future and they would just want to get in the rhythm of regular touch points, assessments, workshops. Um, and then others come <laughs> can reach out to us and, because something's going wrong. they're, they're in, a, in a hard spot and those are the hard cases. There's always something I think in, in all of the clients I've worked with, there's always something that to cel- to celebrate and regardless of where a client comes in just encouraging them toward Christ, to to figure out well you know how he's calling them to define their mission to protect it to champion their mission because uh, that's that's critical the the abiding piece in all of this I can't um, overstate how important it is for leaders to be abiding personally in the Lord and that their leadership with their organizations their families their, in their church and communities just flows out of that so um, yeah. Well,
1: Becca Spradlin is a really, a, Becca, you're, you're a breath of fresh air. And I think it's timely, uh, the word that you give and, and, and really what you embody in terms of bringing hope to organizations. And in so doing, hope to organizations, of course, you're bringing hope to the leaders of those organizations. And, of course, mm-hmm. not only hope to the leaders, but those to whom the organization that business, that ministry, uh, their clients, uh, those to whom they reach, those to whom they serve. And uh, I think it's very timely for for such a moment in which we find ourselves living today. Uh, pressures coming from various uh, directions, from without, pressures that exist inside of us, pressures that exist even among the camaraderie, whether it's... Uh, cohesive or disjointed within the company you bring a fresh word of hope you're listening to Becca Spradlin her organization on mission you can find out more at onmissionadvisors.com we'll be back with more from Becca perhaps talking about some some basic things you know the basics or the fundamentals of how organizations run like like mission, vision, values are critical parts, especially when we talk about drifting. How do you come back? How do you change even in the process of drifting that strengthen the organization, that might strengthen the mission? These and more from Becca Spradling when we come back, stay with us.
3: The road of Beneath the sky. on behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE and visiting drdanny.live for more resources my dear friend it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you your family and friends Proverbs 11.25 says he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life.
0: You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute, divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today.
1: Danny Yamashiro here, welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview. When I hosted this show in Hawaii, I'm joined with my co-host Lani Ka'a. Please enjoy. The Mission True Workbook, it's an interactive guide providing leaders with practical next steps to keep their organizations on mission. It's a follow-up or maybe a companion or partner to the book Mission Drift by Peter Greer and Chris Chris Horst. Becca joins us today. You're listening to the Good Life radio program. Find out more about Becca Spradlin and On Mission at onmissionadvisors.com. Becca, a a few steps back, uh, the basics, maybe a good refresher moment here. What is the difference between mission, vision, and
2: values? Mm, It's a great question. So when I think about those things and how they work together, um, I'll start with the values first because I, I heard about this approach to discerning values. So any listeners who don't yet have values for your for your organization, for profit, nonprofit, I love this reflection where you think of someone on your team, someone you've worked with, and and maybe they're the all stars. They're they're a person you really admire. You really like the way they work and you want more people to be like that or behave that way in your organization and then you you kind of figure out what are those the descriptors of that individual and you kind of make a list and then you start to think through and work through that so if you haven't if you don't have values yet it's kind of the how how do we want to go about doing the vision and mission and when you think about your values these are the things you hire for and the things, if in absence of them or people working counter toward them, you fire as well. So they're very important to the culture of your organization. When I think about now going toward the, the vision, like the vision is how do, how do we want to impact the world? You know, to think really big and broad. What is that long-term, big-picture ambition that the Lord is calling us toward and that destination even? Um, so if you work in, in poverty alleviation, something about the world not having poverty anymore or something like that, what is that end state that you're working for, working towards? And the mission is kind of, you know, given that vision for the end state, what are the specific ways of what, the, the thing that you do every day to accomplish that? What is your approach toward moving toward that vision? So just really practical, what are you doing every day? I also like to see um somewhere it's not always in the in the mission statement but who who are you serving who are you doing it for or with um really understanding who that target audience is and what and what you want to do and then you see how the value comes in to complement that and that's the how we want to do it we want to do it with this this way this characteristic with you know loving care with empathetic listening with things like that. And something I always encourage clients that I'm working with, if I'm working with someone helping define or refine their mission vision values is um, keep it really short, keep it as short as you can. And that's just to help people remember it because we can't work out something and live out something that we can't remember. So if you're in that, that place of trying to rethink those, your mission vision values or define them for your organization, keep it nice and brief, keep it, keep it memorable, keep it sticky.
1: That really helps to talk about it, to hear you process that. I think it is is helpful for someone to be thinking within their own context of how that might apply or how that might refine uh, their perception or what they will communicate with their leaders, even within themselves. Uh, Becca, you're a process I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right prosci or prosci certified change practitioner uh, equipped to facilitate um what is that certification
2: sure sure i have a i have a couple certifications the one you're referencing is it's called prosci or professional sciences Mm -hmm. and that is um yeah it's a funny it's a funny acronym (laughs) or funny name um and that's all about change management and i've been working in strategy and organizational assessment and and workshops and things like that and kind of stumbled onto this discipline of change management. And I think, um, I can talk for a long time about this, but in short, I think change management is something to pay attention to as Christian leaders, because I think how we manage change will either reinforce or detract from our testimony as Christian leaders. So, um, so the a discipline I've started to learn about and changes all around us, even more so, you know, in, in recent months. So how do we as Christian leaders use a change opportunity to reinforce the love of God that we want to share versus doing it poorly, even just accidentally doing it poorly, and that detracting from the Christian testimony that we want to permeate our organizations or to live out in our lives?
1: Well, let's let's go a little further with that and and, and and talk about your book with Peter Greer Chris Horst and Claire Stewart uh, your your book your workbook the mission uh, workbook workbook you talk about uh, protecting your mission you talk well, define your mission protect your mission and champion your mission uh, why these three mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so the, so the workbook as you as you mentioned before mission drift was published in 2014 and then we started doing this work um, within hope and for other organizations and the book did a great job of raising awareness about the problem but uh, and, and it offered some good solutions some sample bylaws and and, and really practical tools and um, but people wanted more <laughs> they said okay you've raised concern about this I am concerned <laughs> please come and help. How do we go about this? And so that's really the impetus for the workbook. It was kind of taking all this experience from working within HOPE and with other organizations and trying to give people resources. It's available for free online. You can access it through my website. Um, Give people a tool uh, that they could use themselves or they can reach out to me if they need help. But a tool to really address the issue of mission drift within their organizations. And uh, to your question about how did how did it come about from this define protect champion and I just remember it's either driving to a client or home from a client I think it was going going to a client and these three con, kind of concentric circles came to mind um, and I was like this this is how all of these indicators that we've been working on and there's well over 50 indicators at this point that I look at on a mission focused assessment and for a nonprofit assessment it's over 100 at this point. So all these indicators, how do they come together? And it's, you have to have the clear definition, that foundation of what is the mission and and more specifically, what is that mission um, and that vision for eternal impact within the organization? And then we need to take steps to protect it. And that's where it comes into integrating it into your manuals, integrating it into your governance documentation, your hiring practices. Um, and then, and finally, championing it. So not just being um, defensive, you know, protecting defensively, but what's your offense? What's, how offensively are you going to um, take the mission and really just advance it and move it ahead? And, um, and really, uh, there, I just love the example of just uh, hiring and mentoring and cultivating leaders who get the eternal ambition, that eternal vision of impact. And just equipping them and empowering them to lead under under circumstances that we haven't even encountered yet to lead the organization through um, through, through challenges that we haven't yet experienced. So um, so that's a really key part of how do we advance the mission for generations of leadership to come.
1: You're throwing out what may seem for some uh, like a like a life like a life preserver in the organization Uh in, in a moment of a great tension or maybe we should just say in a crisis moment uh, this aspect of defining your mission protecting your mission championing your mission you know you write about uh, under define you, you write about the topics of leadership clarity messaging and metrics And in Protect Your Mission, you talk about governance, people, and funding. And in Championing, you talk about excellence, culture, and uh, the church. Uh, Some real hot buttons here, uh, Becca Spradlin. And so when we come back from our break, maybe a little personal word. I know Lonnie would love to ask about a few more things in our final segment And as we do, and as you share, whatever you share, whatever the Lord leads you to say, or whatever the Lord puts on your heart to share, I believe quite strongly that there will be a, a word of hope, and hope for redemption, and hope for new beginnings for people who may have to face and make some tough decisions, but in so doing, the courage to make those decisions Could lead to new organizations, more refinement back to the mission, even bringing healing and hope to a person's life. More from Becca Spradlin on missionadvisors.com. Stay with us.
3: Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a program that was born out of prayer. The Spirit of Christ guides us through prayer, empowers us through prayer, and provides for us through prayer. There are mighty things that the Lord is doing in the Northeast, across the United States, and around the world. Would you like to be a part of God's work through The Good Life with Dr. Danny? Visit drdanny.live. Dr. Danny invites you to join his prayer team. Each month, You will receive a letter updating you on some of the -the behind-the-scenes developments, prayer requests, along with a devotional that Dr. Danny writes to encourage you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Join the prayer team today and make an eternal difference in people's lives. Visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live.
0: You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny
1: Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co-host Lani Ka'a'a. Please enjoy. Words of encouragement, words of hope, but not only just these uh, happy sayings. We need things that give us some foundation, some some, some grounding so that change can be made, healthy change can be made in organizations. And of course, these things influence our own lives. You're listening to the Good Life Radio Show. I'm speaking of none other than Becca Spradlin. Danny Yamashiro here with my co-host, Lonnie uh, you can find out more about Becca and her organization on missionadvisors.com. Um,
4: you know, I was first inspired uh, because I don't know if you realize, but Peter Greer was actually a, a speaker last year at a very large convention here or conference here in Hawaii. And he spoke on his book, Mission Drift, and many ministry leaders, church leaders, were able to attend, and I know they were very inspired. But as you said, they wanted more. When, when, uh, you know, when they, when they, we all left that conference. I think Peter Greer's um, message to all of us through that general session was, "Be careful uh, of mission drift." Um, because the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy the very mission Mm -hmm. and purpose that God has given you. What do you say Mm -hmm. uh, to leaders, um, who, who might be facing that challenge? What is, what are some of the things that are are our first steps, uh, to help these Mm -hmm. ministry leaders navigate the challenges in this world?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's, it's that challenge is real i think a scripture that i always come back to and want to definitely share and encourage uh your listeners to reflect on is first corinthians fifteen fifty eight. it's therefore my dear brothers and sisters stand firm let nothing move you and always give yourself fully to the work of the lord and this last part is really important is because you know that your labor in the lord is not in vain and i think um uh, i don't i don't know that this comes off as good news but i think something i think about a lot is when we're doing more and more of the work of the lord um, we shouldn't expect our lives to get easier should we <laughs> you mm-hmm. know i think i think spiritual warfare is very real and that's why i always again encourage the abiding the abiding peace cannot be neglected all this we can focus on defining protecting and championing it can give you all the best practices and talk of that but it's there is a spiritual component to this. This isn't just another leadership kind of framework to think about. There's a spiritual component that we can't fake. You know, Mm -hmm. we are either in the word, um, faithfully and I think if, if anyone is going through those seasons where they don't feel like they're hearing from the Lord, I would just encourage you to stay faithful and connecting with the Lord through the scripture, through prayer. Um, and, and just, just wait on him wait on him to to speak to you but i think that humility of just speaking after the lord his direction for your life for your your family for your work for your company for your organization um is so so important and then i think practically speaking just um If you're facing a number of issues, and say you're not, we'll talk about a nonprofit, you're facing a number of issues, I think having those conversations with the board, working out a strategic issues list and saying these are all the issues we are are facing, what is the likelihood and the impact of each, and then starting to prioritize which ones you need to address first and practically figuring out what's the right way to address Mm -hmm. each issue, because each issue might need to be handled a little bit differently. But um, yeah, having those registers of risks and issues that you're facing and just knowing that you can't do it all at once, but you Mm -hmm. can take time to kind of work through it with your board or your leadership team um, to figure out and and have a discernment component to that, to be seeking the Lord on these issues together. You talk a
4: little bit or actually a lot of bit about change management, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, some organizations, they tend to have very little change. Um, Maybe the, you know, long time leadership, long time um, processes are in place. And then there are Mm -hmm. others who have change on a regular basis in their leadership, in their, in their different ministry pieces or divisions, if you will. How important Mm -hmm. is it that you have an intentional plan to handle change?
2: Yeah. So uh, I think change awareness is really important and about the discipline, again, of of change management. So how do you lead as a leader? How do you lead people through change? And a change in leadership is certainly one change. But I think all of us globally have just experienced a pandemic which uh, changed everyone, regardless of whether you were a high change organization or not of technology is causing changes. There's so many external factors that at a minimum we need to respond to. And as um, you think about your organization and the mission you have, the vision you have, the people you want to serve, um, they're changing too probably. So, so change is coming at us from from all sides and how we respond is is one piece. But to your question on um intentionally engaging in change so when you when you have a change it's I'll just say fairly significant Um, or maybe you're making an organizational change um, that's significant Uh, the significance of it will vary depending on how many people in your organization are affected by it or people that you serve are affected by the change so changes could be big or small but it always starts with an awareness do the, do the people that need to know about the change, are they aware of the change and not just aware of it, but the why behind it? You know, we are closing down this office or we are reorganizing ourselves because, and, and that has to come from the senior leader. The why behind the change is so important. So I think um, even if you don't have a very formal understanding of, of change management, a lot of change becomes or struggles because simply because people didn't, they weren't aware of the why behind the change. And mm. so engaging in thoughtful change processes as a leader, again, is just a way that we can show love to the people on our teams and the people that we serve.
4: Mm. Becca, we're almost out of time. I have a couple more questions though. How has the Lord personally helped you through difficult times?
2: Oh goodness! I mean, certainly through through prayer and the prayers of others. Um, When I was a teenager, I lost my father, and I just remember a very real feeling like I was being carried through that time because it was he passed away suddenly, and just feeling carried through that time of uh, the initial shock, really, (laughs) of that, Mm -hmm. and just knowing that people were praying for me. And and so mm-hmm. I have experienced that, and the Lord kind of carrying me through that situation. So I definitely think um, prayers of others have been has been really key in my life. And and there have been moments where I feel like the Lord will give me a word directly as well. But um, yeah, that for sure mm-hmm. we need each other, the body of Christ at work. Well,
4: Becca, we are just about out of time. We've got about a minute left. Would you pray? for uh, the audience, uh, for those listening, for uh, the leadership in ministries, would you play, pray for us?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, it would be my pleasure. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the work that you're doing in Hawaii. Lord, I thank you for all the ministries, all the leaders, and all the Christians who are trying to live out lives that honor you, that reflect your light and your love to the people around them. And Regardless of where we sit in organizations, we are all um, gifted to share your love and to influence others and encourage others towards you. And I just pray encouragement. Um, I pray wisdom and discernment over the listeners, Lord, and their families. I pray that you would guide them as they make hard choices and just give them peace, Lord. I pray for peace uh, as they seek to live Uh, in a way that honors you, God. Thank you so much for this ministry and this work and this time to connect, Lord, in your
1: name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Becca, for joining us today and sharing your heart as you
2: have. My pleasure. Thank you.
1: Focused words from Becca Spradlin on missionadvisors.com. My friend, God's timing is perfect. And there's no better time than right now to share the love of Jesus with someone near you. And look, if you haven't done so, hey, I believe this may be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Jesus Christ. Go to drdanny.live for next steps and resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and major podcast platforms. Proverbs 16, verse 3 Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Becca Spradlin on MissionAdvisors.com. Until next time, along with my producer and creative director, Brian Torres, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today.